0: Welcome to the Tenant Law Podcast, where we talk about new, interesting, and or important legal cases affecting New York City tenants. This podcast will be about 10 minutes long. First, we give you some background so you have the context to understand the case we are discussing. Then we talk about the case itself. And finally, we explain why the case is important and give you our tenant takeaway. I am Michelle Itkowitz, and today's case is AK houses TP4 LLC versus Thurman, a fairly recent New York City civil court, New York County case. First, let's set the stage with some context. A landlord in New York cannot bring a non-payment summary proceeding, in other words, an eviction case in housing court against a tenant unless the landlord first serves with a process server, a statutory rent demand pursuant to real property, actions and proceedings, law section 711 So a rent demand is a document that they come and serve you with before they serve you with the non-payment proceeding. A rent demand must afford a tenant notice of the particular period for which rent is due and the approximate good faith amount claimed for that period. This is very different than the highly exaggerated damages we see in things like a, like a personal injury case. So God forbid somebody slips and falls and breaks their femur and you do a lawsuit for $10 million and hopefully it settles for a good amount, but the amount you sue for maybe isn't anything close to the amount you end up getting. That's not what this is in housing court. The arrears and a rent demand need to be an approximate good faith amount that's in relation to what's actually owed. And the, and the other thing is a rent demand really needs for this reason, not just to have that good faith total, but it also needs to be itemized. It needs to be broken down. If the rent isn't itemized, how can the tenant get ready for court? How's the tenant supposed to prepare a defense? So you need to know if, if somebody says you owe $5,000, well, what months are you suing for? If they tell you they're suing for January, you need to know how much are they suing for January. If they're suing for a portion of February, what portion of that is is it in February? And that way you can get your receipts together, your bank statements, or who knows, maybe in February you only had a refrigerator for half the month that was broken. So maybe you have a defense based on the landlord's violation of the implied warranty of habitability and so you need to know you know when that problem was so you can relate it to what they're suing you for but there's more furthermore a residential non-payment proceeding in a residential non-payment proceeding only the rent may be sued for not additional rent not late fees not other things so we don't do a lot of reading on this podcast but real property actions and proceedings law section 702 is very important. So we're gonna do a little reading. In a proceeding relating to a residential dwelling or housing accommodation, the term rent shall mean the monthly or weekly amount charged in consideration of the use and occupation of a dwelling pursuant to a written or oral agreement. And now listen to this, no fees, charges or penalties other than rent may be sought in a summary proceeding in an eviction case. Pursuant to this article, notwithstanding any language to the contrary in any lease or rental agreement. So the lease can say something different but it can't get around the law. Only rent can be sued for in housing court and you need to be notified of what the amount the landlord is suing you for ahead of time by service of a rent demand and that needs to be clear and itemized so you can get ready for court. Now let's get into today's case. Now let's get into today's case. In today's case, the rent demand indicated that the total amount due from the tenant was $3,199. And it did not just leave the tenant with a lump sum, it broke down those arrears by attaching a ledger. The problem was the ledger spanned a full year of charges and it was confusing. The ledger claimed that the landlord was charging tenant an additional $50 every month for some kind of payment plan they had between them. Now the court didn't say that the payment plan was invalid. The problem was it was the tenant's failure to make payments under this separate payment plan could not be included in a rent demand and a housing court eviction case because it wasn't the monthly rent. Now, you might say, well, wait a minute. Isn't, if the payment plan is for past due rent, assuming, because we don't know, but assuming it was, well, that's still rent, but that's not what the statute says. The statute says that what you get to sue for in a non-payment is the monthly rent, not anything else. And whatever this extra $50 was, it wasn't monthly rent. Those $50 increments might've been monthly rent, but not for those months, for earlier months that the landlord agreed in some kind of out of court agreement with the tenant not to sue for, but to uh, have the tenant make these payments. The bottom line is it just wasn't the monthly rent. And what can you sue for in a non-payment proceeding? the monthly rent. So the court held that the rent demand was defective and dismissed the case, which leads us to five very important tenant takeaways about what you should look for in these kinds of situations. First, let's get the housekeeping out of the way. This is not legal advice and I am not your lawyer, but because I am a lawyer, this might be considered legal advertising if it's legal advertising it is terrible because i am asking you not to contact me this pod is not a commercial for me or my law firm this is simply the podcast that i always wanted to make email us with your questions to answer on the pod if you'd like our work please give us five stars and put this podcast on your socials i am going to put a link to today's case and the statute we're talking about in the show notes it's time for the tenant takeaway Tenant takeaway time. So if you get served with a statutory rent demand from your landlord, it should include more than just a lump sum. It should be itemized. It should tell you exactly what you owe for exactly what months. And in the case we saw today, there was itemization. And because of that itemization, we saw what could be potentially the other big problem for a rent demand, which is when the rent demand includes items that a rent demand is not allowed include Uh, an eviction case is not supposed to be for anything other than the rent so it's the itemization that actually shows us that now the itemization piece really gets messed up a lot and i would like in our tenant takeaway to go over five ways i see that itemized rent arrears can be wrong and then being wrong possibly gives you a defense to your non-payment case so let's go through this number one sometimes the ledger that is breaking down the total amount owed is just a terrible copy i mean it's crazy what i see in some of these things they're upside down or sideways or cut off on the margin or it's so faint you can't read it so if you can't read the ledger itemizing what you owe then it hasn't really been itemized and who knows what's lurking in those amounts. So you haven't been properly apprised of what's owed. And that could be a possible defense against the whole case, as we saw in today's case. Number two, sometimes these ledgers contain so much extraneous information. They're just printouts from these sophisticated management platforms. And it's so much information other than what month it is and what you owe for that month and what payments you've made. There's all these codes and stuff. To me, if you need to hire an accountant to read the rent demand, you haven't been properly apprised of what you actually owe. So it's possible defense, talk to your lawyer about that one. Number three, sometimes ledgers contain non items that are just not the monthly rent as we saw in today's case. And that could be anything late fees, legal fees, payment plan charges, fees for losing your keys and having your key card replaced. Things that don't belong in a residential housing court case, according to the statute. Number four, here's a simple way to do this. Just compare the ledger in the rent demand with the rent bills, the invoices that you've received. Are they different? If they're different, then maybe there's something wrong with that itemization that you've gotten. Definitely discuss that with your lawyer. And number five, in the rent stabilization context, ideally four things should line up. Get the DHCR rent roll registration report for your particular apartment. And for one thing, the apartment needs to be registered up to the current date or your landlord shouldn't even be in housing court with you so talk to your lawyer about that one but assuming that it's registered up to the current date the amount that your apartment is currently registered for the monthly rent that's in the registration for right now should match the rent that is in your lease which should match the rent that you're getting invoiced for which should match the rent and the rent demand. Really fairly simple that those four things should line up. What's at DHCR? What's in your lease? What you're getting billed for? And what's in the rent demand? That should all be the same, but you would be really surprised how often it's not. And again, this means an imprecise rent demand, which could mean that the foundation that the whole case is sitting on is shaky and the case can be dismissed. Now I want to emphasize that if there is something wrong with the rent demand in this way, and the case is vulnerable, that doesn't mean that you don't owe the money. You may owe the money, you may not, but but the, these flaws in and of themselves doesn't mean that you don't owe the money, it just means that this proceeding could be going away. And again, this is something you have to discuss with your own lawyer, but this gives you an opportunity to pump the brakes, on an eviction case and that might just have inherent value to you. You might want to slow down the eviction process, maybe you're moving somewhere else, something's going on in your life, whatever it is, or maybe you and your lawyer can take that mistake on the landlord's part and use it in a way to get the landlord to the table to negotiate a settlement that is beneficial for you. That's another use of these, these, these podcasts where we go through housing court tips like this is to use them to get the case to a place where you can do something with it. That is to your benefit. Maybe a rent break, maybe time to move, whatever it is you need. Again, discuss it with your lawyer. And there you have it. Remember, New York City, the law belongs to you, but your ownership of the law is only as great as your understanding of the law. So let's learn to live better. I am Michelle Itkowitz, and this is the Tenant Law Podcast.